I'd like to welcome you to an extra helping of management in the Leisure Youth and Human Services, or LYHS 3050 for the fall. What we'll do is we'll talk a little bit about the financial management key terms, go over the backbone of finance, talk about the formula, and then highlight some other components associated with within the field that helps our public community parks and recreation agencies, nonprofit organizations, and private commercial recreation organizations function from a financial standpoint. Key terms associated with financial management include revenue, which is generated for the leisure service organization. There's various examples. We have fees that users pay when they rent a room, show up to work out in a facility, use the equipment, join a sports league, drop their kids off for daycare, before and after school care, take part in a special event. Those are all financial benefits to a leisure service organization that is called revenue. We then have taxes that are a big part of the revenue that's associated with leisure service organizations. Taxes include real property tax and personal property taxes within the property tax component. We in the Leisure Youth and Human Services field are focused on the backbone of finance being real property taxes. These are taxes that can be on vacant lots of land or parcels as they're called. These are also taxes that can be that can fall on stadiums, farms, buildings, infrastructure, residential facilities such as people's homes, commercial businesses. All of these fall under what we call real property taxes. They also class are classified as revenue. Lastly, we have donations. There's two types of donations. There's monetary donations, which is when someone, a group of people or an organization give money to a Leisure Youth and Human Services agency. And there's also in-kind donations. This is when you give something besides money to the agency. So it can be a person donating their time, providing their skills in a specific area that helps accentuate the agency. It could be if someone donates, say, a company like Iowa Sports Supply donates t-shirts or basketballs for a sports league. Those are also in-kind donations. The, all of those are classified as revenue for an agency. Revenue is defined as the money that's brought in to an agency. It's the funds or donations that help foster the continued growth of that agency. Second key term that we talk about includes expenditures. This is the money that is spent by the leisure service organization or agency to continue to run its programs, its facility, and any other components of the agency. So if you have to pay for your utilities, if you have to rent a field or a space to facilitate a league, if you have to pay for your pool to be cleaned by an outside agency, if you have to buy new equipment or update equipment that you have, if you have to pay for staff, maybe you have to br bring in someone who has expertise in a specific area. Any money that goes out from the agency to help foster continued development of programs or growth of the agency is what we call expenditures.
when we talk about our field and we focus on these three areas, we have three general categories of leisure service agencies. We have public agencies, we have private agencies, and we have nonprofit agencies. Public agencies are those community parks and recreation, for example, those community parks and recreation facilities that are focused on providing opportunities for the citizens of their community. As I mentioned before, the type of revenue that helps support public recreation agencies include fees and donations, but a very important source of revenue for that agency is what we call real property taxes. Again, real property taxes are the backbone of finance within the Leisure, Youth, and Human Services field. Private commercial Leisure, Youth, and Human Services agencies often provide services or opportunities that other agencies also provide, but they do it in a privatized sense. So any type of funding or revenue that's used to begin the commercial venture comes from the individual or individual's pockets who are supporting that place. Private Leisure Youth and Human Services agencies do not use property tax dollars to help facilitate what they're doing. They can have fees and they can have donations. But I want to re-emphasize that private commercial Leisure Youth and Human Service agencies do not use public tax dollars to help foster their agency. The third category we talk about are nonprofit Leisure Youth and Human Services agencies. A nonprofit Leisure Youth and Human Service agency falls under the In Internal Revenue Service Tax Code 501C3. C is in Charlie. This allows an organization to be tax exempt. That means they do not pay federal income taxes. Now, with a nonprofit organization, there's a number of steps that have to be taken in order to gain that tax exemption status. You can't just form an agency and say, I want to be nonprofit, and then just go wherever, say, I'm not paying taxes, and proceed to do what you do. Your agency has to have a service-driven mission. There also has to be a number of items paperwork-wise that are filled out and filed via the Internal Revenue Service. So if you're going to declare yourself a nonprofit organization, you have to basically go through the checklist to prove that you're a nonprofit organization before you can be tax exempt. When we talk about property taxes, it's very important to understand that any business venture has what's called an assessment done on their property that is made up that or excuse me that is a part of what they do. So what we're looking at is establishing a value for real property. So real property, again, the examples that we see include things such as stadiums, arenas, buildings, sidewalks, farms, residential houses, commercial businesses, vacant parcels of land. Parcel is a term that's used to describe a piece of land. We also hear the term acreage. That helps identify how much in square feet the land is. So in order to know what the real property taxes are that a person would have to pay or an agency would have to pay on their property, the real property value is established. And this is done with an assessor. Within each county there's an assessor who's employed by the county 
to assess or evaluate the property for its taxable worth. So what we mean by taxable worth is that an assessor comes in and says this is how much square footage, this is how much the, the building has aged, these are all the amenities on the property, and by doing that they calculate what the worth is related to paying taxes. Taxable worth sometimes can be different than what a person's perception of worth is. And we'll get to that later on. So each piece or parcel of property has a taxable worth. And this is called the market value. So when we find the taxable worth, what we're doing is we're actually establishing what the value is for the property in regards to tax purposes. So... And, and this is a crucial piece in understanding how real property taxes are used and calculated and then developed and gathered so that public parks and recreation agencies or community parks and recreation agencies or public leisure service organizations can get, generate revenue. Reassessments occur every couple of years, but again, the assessment for the taxable worth is called the market value. When we look to establish the market value, an assessor can take and approach this in three different ways. They can use what's called the market approach, which is that we're finding comparable properties to assess with the piece of property that's currently being evaluated. So what, me what this means is that an assessor will see or go to the piece or parcel of property that needs to be assessed, gather all the dimensions and things related to assessing the property, and then we'll seek out comparable pieces of property to gauge the value. Comparable qualities include things like the age of the property if there is built if there are buildings on it, the square footage of buildings acreage, the geographic location and surrounding components within the community. Oh, this is just a few examples of what goes into market approach. And so as we look at these things associated with market approach, we begin to craft a comparable piece of property in regards to taxable worth. And that's how we put those things together, and that's how we come up with what we call the taxable worth of property. The second piece is what we call the cost approach. The cost approach is the approach taken by an assessor in regards to valuing how much the property would cost if we had to replace what was associated with that property. So say, for example, a, a farming silo was demolished by a natural disaster. A tornado came through and, and wiped it out. Well, there are certain insurance there are certain, excuse me, there are certain insurance requirements and certain values that we have for those things, and those are whether what an assessor takes into account in regards to gauging how much it would cost to replace that. So if a building was obliterated or destroyed, a house was demolished, not purposefully, but via natural disaster, how much would it cost to replace that property? The third approach to establishing market value is called the income approach. And the income approach takes into account how much income is generated by that property 
and therefore that amount of revenue is calculated into the taxable worth or the market value of that property. So you can have a vacant parcel of land that has nothing on it, or you can have a parcel of land that has an apple orchard on it. So not only is the land worth something, but there is revenue generated from the sale of the apples associated with that land. So it's not just comparable property acreage-wise. It's comparable in the sense of is there also an orchard on that land? And if so, the land has a value, and also the revenue generated from the sales of apples, if that's the product that's sold, has a value. So those two pieces are both taken into account in regards to the taxable worth. Again, when we talk about the taxable worth of property, taxable worth of property is referred to as the assessed value. And the reason why we call it the assessed value is because an assessor comes in and establishes what that taxable worth is. So the assessed value is related to taxable worth. Now each state has law associated has laws associated with the taxes and the taxable worth of the property. An important thing to keep in mind is that each state can vary in regards to how they assess the taxable worth of a piece of property. Now, some states can assess property at 100%, which means that they look at what the value of the property is, and for tax purposes, they tax the whole value, 100% of it. Or, a state can say, we're not going to assess at 100%, the value we're going to assess at less than 100%. So again to emphasize this, a state can assess at less than 100% of the tagged value of a piece of property or they can assess at 100% the tagged value of a piece of property. What this means is that when you have a va dollar value on a piece of property the assessor can say that value so as we talk about the taxable worth of property we're talking about what we call the rollback value so if a state chooses to assess property at 100 percent of the market value or the tagged value that means that whatever that dollar value is that the pro real property taxes are calculated based on that whole value now a state can choose to assess property at less than 100% of the market value. And what that means is that if a dollar value is attached to a piece of property, that the state will use a percentage of that dollar value to calculate real property taxes. So for example, in the state of Iowa, where we are, we assess at 100% of the market value or tag value. So if you have a piece of property that's $150,000, the real property taxes will be calculated based on that $150,000. In other states, you'll have, you may have what we call a rollback value, which means that the percentage used to calculate real property taxes is not the 100%. So again, using that $150,000, a different state may choose to say, we will assess the property at less than 100% of the market value or tagged value. So they may choose to say we assess at 65% of the market or tagged value. So then what you would do is calculate your real property taxes based on 65% of 150,000. 
at less than 100%, the value is called a rollback value for assessment purposes. Now, there is debate on whether this is truly valuable or not, and whether it actually is beneficial to the individual taxpayer. Because you may be paying less in real property taxes, but there may be other taxes that impact the taxpayer that where the, the uh, amount of revenue generated for the state is offset. In many cases, leisure, youth, and human service financial researchers often say the rollback value is an illusion because there are other taxing sources that end up generating revenue in those places that have rollback values. So it really just depends on how you feel about your real property taxes, whether you're okay or not. People choose to move because they don't like the 100%. If they move to a place that assesses at less than 100% or has a rollback value, they end up finding out that that community may have taxes in other areas that help offset the rollback. There are different rollback values. There are different assessed values and rollback values depending on your residential, agricultural, or commercial property class. So a person might pay a certain percentage in real property taxes and pay a different percentage in commercial property taxes and then again pay a different percentage in agricultural property taxes. Just keep in mind that each state has different laws that, is, that are associated with the taxes and the taxable worth of a piece of property. All right. Bottom line, the value, whether it's 100% or less, leads to tax purposes and impacts uh, how, many tax, how much is paid in taxes. Now, in order to calculate real property taxes, there's a formula that's used. And this formula takes into account a couple of uh, mathematical equations. First, the assessed ratio value is multiplied times the property value, and that'll give you the assessed value. Again, the assessed value is for tax purposes. So if you assess at 100%, the ratio value will be 1 because you're assessing at 100%. So when you multiply 1 times the property value, the assessed value is the same as the property value. If you have a rollback value, the assessed ratio value will be less than 1. So it could be if our rollback value is 65% of the property value, then the assessed ratio value would be 0.65. If it was 50% of the property value, it would be 0.5. 75% would be 0.75. So if the assessed ratio value is less than 1, that's called the rollback value. And then we convert that into a decimal format and multiply that times the property value. That'll give us the assessed value. Once we have the assessed value, we multiply it times the tax rate, and that'll give us the taxes paid yearly. Then we divide that yearly tax amount by 12, and that'll give us the taxes paid monthly. Now, in order to find the tax rate, we have to turn to our community where we live in. Where we're working and living currently, where I do, at the University of Northern Iowa, we live in Cedar Falls, Iowa. So as a taxpayer within the community of Cedar Falls, you can go to the Cedar Falls City of Cedar Falls website, and you can identify what the tax rate is. And every year, the City of Cedar Falls publishes on their website the fiscal year budget and so you could look up these budgets for the past five years and you can see the the fluctuation in the tax rate. Now the fluctuation in the tax rate is due to the budgetary needs for the city for a variety of different areas.
for the city of Cedar Falls for the fiscal year 2016, there's a wonderful document that's online that outlines where the property tax money that's generated is spent. There's a variety of different categories right there on the second page. And this is public knowledge. Anybody can look this up, and I would highly encourage someone to look it up so they understand how the property taxes are broken down. So, for example, you have finance and business operations, admin, legal, and miscellaneous, debt service, community development, fire, municipal operations and programming, library, mayor, police, city administrator, trust and agency. You also have a number of levy taxes that are listed in there associated with the Cedar Falls ban, liability insurance, Met Transit, as well as the library. And when you look at these different percentages, all those categories total up to 100%, which then totals into what we call our tax rate. So our tax rate, just to give a little more insight, our tax rate is a dollar figure for every $1,000 that helps generate property taxes so that those different city agencies can function. If we didn't have those different uh, percentages and have where that property tax money goes to support those agencies, in many cases it would be challenging to have those agencies or positions and they may be more difficult to manage or may have to go away. Within Cedar Falls, <clears throat> from excuse me from 2010 to 2016 the tax rate decreased by a dollar 49 so what that means is that over those fiscal years the rate related to property taxes and the requirement that individual residential agricultural commercial property owners have to pay on taxes has gone down yet the city of cedar falls has still been able to facilitate those different agencies that I listed within that table associated with the property taxes. Bottom line is that the city of Cedar Falls has been, it, it, through fiscal, according to the fiscal year documents, has been able to facilitate those different agencies, different operations, and different positions with a steady decrease in property tax funds. On the surface, that can be a good thing. Within our community, we have a chunk of money spent during the fiscal year 2016 on culture and recreation. To be specific, we have just over $7.5 million in the fiscal year of 2016 that is spent on culture and recreation. And you can see this in the fiscal year 2016 document on the Cedar, City of Cedar Falls website. What we see is associated with culture and recreation is expenditures for the library, the city parks, recreation, the cemetery, the community center, and visitors and tourism. So what that means is within our community, these tax dollars can support the Cedar Falls Parks and Recreation Building on 12th and Main Street. They could support the various cemeteries around town. We have the Cedar Falls City Library downtown. We also have a number of parks, Searley Park, Island Park, Overman Park, and the Band Shell. These are all examples of facilities as well as buildings that are, and other items that are supported. We have our community center and our senior center down attached to the library. And we also have our Tourism and Visitors Bureau uh, in the City of Cedar Falls Tourism uh, building out on Hudson that's also supported by these things. So just a little bit more regarding the property formula. The tax rate can fluctuate year to year. So as I talked about earlier, 
that the Cedars Falls from fiscal year 2010 to fiscal year 2016, there's been a decrease of $1.49 in the tax rate. So what that means is that those city agencies and positions have been able to function and our city taxes that people pay, the property taxes have totaled gone down. So the tax rate has decreased. So what that means is that when we look at this formula for calculating property taxes, each fiscal year there is the potential for the tax rate to change. So if you look at that City of Cedar Falls website and you talk about the fiscal year document 2016, you see a total of $11.53 per every $1,000. That means that uh, if you have a piece of property that's $150,000, you're going to be paying, and you can figure that out with the formula, X number of dollars. What that means is in the fiscal year 2017, there's a possibility that $11.53 will change to $11.35 or $11.45, or it could go up to $11.75. It's important to understand that each year, depending on the city needs for the various agencies associated with property tax revenue, that the tax rate can fluctuate up or it can decrease and go down.